Hey, welcome to the Danny Abel podcast, where I help you connect the dots between mindset, metabolism, nutrition, and fitness to help you easily understand complex health and wellness concepts. I'm thrilled you're here to listen to what I have to share. So let's dive right in. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be going through some different ways that you can set up your training to help you make gains in the gym or if you're training at home, in your home gym. You know, I made a post about this on Instagram a few months back, and honestly, I thought it would be a really great piece of content for the podcast because this was something that I was challenged with when I was stuck with limited equipment for a while. And honestly, like I should say, not necessarily just when I was, like I find myself here sometimes even to today. So some scenarios that I have found myself myself in in the past, you might also have found yourself in, or maybe you're currently there, is after I had kids, you know, mostly being kind of homebound. You know, you were limited, definitely limited in the times that you could leave and also the duration that you could be gone. Like this was specifically a thing for me when our kids were very young. It was hard to get outside of the home. You know, secondly, even after I was able to leave the house and get to the gym, like we live in a really small town with limited gym options and we do have three different gyms, but honestly, they're all lacking a little bit in a little bit of something. And I've had to modify things over time. And honestly, I've gotten pretty good at being like a gym modification wizard or something. But honestly, like if you if you just have an understanding as far as like what is the goal of your training and how can you modify it to make it work for you and create that balance, that's the that's the ticket here. Like that is the key. And so thirdly, I find myself here now. You know, there's times when I just cannot make it to the gym for whatever reason. And I'm not one that will skip it. Like I try my darndest to get there because I need it. Like I need it for psychological health. No, I do not use that as my only stress management outlet, but I do need it. Like I need to get out of my home office because honestly, I go nuts otherwise. You know, I just need a change of scenery for sure. And there's times when I'm, you know, planning on being at the gym in the morning and then just something happens and I end up having to train at home and try to figure out how to modify movements that my coach has programmed for me because, you know, he's certainly not going to be like answering messages from me at five o'clock in the morning. So hopefully this episode helps you if you find yourself in this situation, or maybe you can jot jot down some notes that would be helpful for you if you find yourself in that situation, you know, today, or if you were to find yourself in this situation in the future. So quick announcement, before I dive in, I've officially launched my online training membership, Fit Healthy Strong, a monthly strength and conditioning program that allows you to pick from endurance, strength, or hypertrophy-based programming through my online coaching app, SoulSore Coaching. You can choose from home or gym-focused programs, and it gives you access to a community of others who are also chasing gains, plus, of course, access to me through the group for questions, form reviews, and any support that you need. It's extremely reasonable. It's $39 per month and it's canceled at any time, month to month. So if something like that sounds like it would be helpful for you, drop me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Danielle underscore S underscore Able, 
or over on Facebook on my personal page, Danielle Abel, or on SoulSore Coaching. And I will send you over the registration form because honestly, I have not made this fully automated yet. And this is on purpose. This is on purpose because right now I'm in a beta round of launching the subscription because I want to be able to talk to people and see what they are looking for and make sure that it is a good fit. So if something like that sounds like it would be a good fit for you, reach out. I'd love to help. All right, so let's dive into ways to make training gains with limited equipment. So first of all, I'm going to be speaking mostly to hypertrophy in this episode. And I started to outline the episode and I was like, oh, I could talk about hypertrophy and how to modify for hypertrophy. And I'll talk about strength and how to modify for strength. But honestly, they really are two different beasts. And the strength could definitely be an entire different episode itself. So for this one, I'm going to really be talking about like the two primary factors that drive muscle hypertrophy, which is really just muscle growth. And it's going to give you that nice toned physique that you're probably looking for. So first of all, we have metabolic stress. This is the accumulation of metabolites from energy metabolism in the muscle itself. So it's essentially the energetic processes used to produce the movement. And these metabolites or these metabolic substances, they cause damage to the muscle tissue itself. So that is metabolic stress. And that is one driver of hypertrophy. The other one is muscular tension. And this is the force. So this is the force that is applied to the muscle fibers and the structural components of the muscle itself. So if you want to get down to like the nitty gritty, this is of the actual sarcomere, which is the smallest portion of the muscle cells. And you'll have to Google that to get it as far as like a visual goes, but it'll make more sense when I start talking about like, how does muscular tension happen? So kind of imagine, you know, a piece of muscle and imagine that piece of muscle lengthening and shortening. That's going to be what we're talking about. We're talking about the eccentric phases of movement and the concentric phases of movement. And to a certain extent, we might even talk about which is really just more of a, um, like a resting, um, with the muscle, but there is still tension in the muscle. So the length tension relationship is going to be like equivocal there. It would be like if you were, um, if you were just sitting still and you were squeezing your arm. So that would be like an isometric contraction. If you were like squeezing your fist. Okay. So from its most basic level, if you're limited on equipment, will still want to find ways to produce damage and progressively overload patterns for you, meaning finding some way to make progress for you. So this can be in one of six ways. And when I say one of six, I mean that intentionally. You're not going to want to do all of these all at one time. That will create a lot of fatigue and it will be very difficult for you to recover from this. So keep it in mind. We want to just focus on one thing, like one way to progress right now with your given training phase. And that might be something like, you know, a four week program. It might be a five week program. It might be a six week program, something like that. So you can do one of six things. Number one, you can increase the time under tension. And I'm going to go into these, but I'm going to give you a list first. Increase the time under tension. Two, increase the distance traveled. Three, increase the range of motion. Four, increase muscular isolation, and number five, increase volume, and lastly, number six, increase the intensity or the load. 
So first, you're going to want to figure out what your progression scheme is. So of those six, one of these might be a better fit for you based upon you know where you're lifting at, what you're doing, what you can adhere to right now, that kind of a thing. So for increasing time under tension, this might look like a program that shows, maybe your program says that you should be doing a barbell back squat, maybe it's a barbell front squat, and maybe it's for three sets of four. So three by four. So essentially we want to like break down that pattern. Okay. So we are spinally loading it with the barbell and it is a squat pattern, you know, whether it be the back squat or the front squat, et cetera, it's a squat pattern. So this is going to be a knee dominant exercise, but ultimately it's a flexing pattern at the hips meaning that concentrically, which is during the most stressful portion of the exercise, it's working the quads and glutes. So from here, we need to determine body position. You know, are you standing? Are you seated? Are you lying? How can we try to replicate that movement based upon what you have at home? So for example, if you don't have a barbell at home, Or if you do have a barbell, but you don't have a squat rack, this was me for a while. Like I had a barbell, but I couldn't get it up on my back. You know, I could have done it for like a very low load, but for what I really needed to be lifting, like I couldn't just like pull it up on my back, you know? So we need to find something that will be similar to that and that you can use with the current equipment that you have. So for example, in this situation, we would want to pick some type of a knee dominant standing pattern, squat pattern of some kind. So some examples might be a landmine squat with a barbell. And based upon the plates that you have, you could certainly modify the amount of sets and reps. So for example, if you don't have a ton of weight and maybe you are normally doing, you know, 150 pounds, but all you have is maybe 60 pounds of plates or something like that, then you're going to want to modify either the sets or the reps to get you closer to where you would be at if you would have lifted that total amount of weight or load or intensity for the sets and reps. Okay. And I'll get into that in a a future example, as far as like how to calculate that. So for example, it might be landmine squat with a barbell three by 10 or three by 12 based on what your intensity based goal is. And this is going to be like, is it low intensity? Meaning is it a deload week for you? Are you doing like RPE six? Are you doing, you know, um, moderate intensity or are you doing high intensity? Is it the top set week? then you're probably going to have to do more sets and reps to get you closer to that level of intensity. So one thing that I will say too, is just keep in mind that some of these are going to be like less optimal based upon your goals and your training program at the current time. And I'll get into that with another example. But like the biggest thing here too, is that at a certain level, if you only have so much load, at home, meaning like you only have so much equipment, you're going to have to do so many sets and reps that eventually some of these movements are going to become like cardio. They're going to become, you know, aerobic conditioning because the duration of time that you're working is so long. So just kind of keep that in mind. I'll have another example in the future for that. So another example here could be, you know, a wall hack squat with a foam roller, dumbbells, or even kettlebells. You know, same thing here, depending upon what you have available to you, if it's not much weight and you're used to doing 150 pounds, you're probably going to need to increase the sets and reps. 
you know, it could be something like a low banded heel elevated squat. You know, maybe it's like three by 21 reps, depending upon the level of resistance bands that you have, you know, and what's prescribed in your program. And let me just take this opportunity to say that this is what's really nice about having a coach is because you're like, ooh, I know I need to modify sets and reps, but I'm just not sure how to do it and also manage fatigue at the same time. So that's what I do for clients in the group and also private clients. They'll come to me with these questions. Hey, I couldn't get to the gym or I, I plan to not be able to get to the gym at the end of the week. I had something come up with work. How would you recommend that I modify this? And then we go through that and we look at their equipment and say like, okay, here's what I would recommend and do that for this week and then you'll be, you know, good to go next week or maybe there's times where their their life has changed or schedule has changed and they need to be working out at home for a while and we switch them over to a home-based program for a while. It's fine. So another example here is increasing distance. You know, I love this one because I used to get training movement step-based goals from my coach. So meaning like he would say like three sets of 20 steps of walking lunges. Well, my little home gym is not 20 steps wide. You know, it's just not that wide. So what I would do is I would take five steps one way, I'd turn around and I'd take five steps back. And was that ideal? No, but it was better than skipping it all together. And it was really just the best that I can do. I can't reiterate enough. It's about like finding that balance. You know, we have to find ways that we can get it done without necessarily causing too much fatigue. And in this case, you know, I was able to like turn around quickly and make it back the other way. So it wasn't like it was like, you know, two steps, two steps, two steps, two steps. And it was taking me forever. You know, and I would just take as many trips back and forth based upon what he had programmed to complete the assigned repetitions. You know, if you really can't walk much, you certainly could just like sub these out for something like forward lunges or reverse lunges, or even step-ups. Those would be suitable alternatives if you really can't do much walking in your space. You know, ideally, the walking nature can help you produce better dynamic balance, but something is better than nothing. Okay, so the next one is going to be increasing range of motion. So if your program calls for something like a deficit deadlift, for example, where you would be standing on a step or a plate and you don't have access to one. We need to determine what is the reason for the deficit. So for example, in this, in this given scenario with the deficit deadlift, you know, what portion of the movement are we trying to accentuate? Because in this case, your hips and knees are elevated in the movement and you would need to, it's forcing, I should say, it's forcing you to bring your hips down lower and flex the knee more in the movement to lift the bar off the ground. So we would need to find ways to accentuate this same training goal. If you're someone who doesn't have a barbell at home, but you have dumbbells or kettlebells, then you could still set this up. I mean, I will be honest, I have done this with books before you guys. Before I had plates in my home gym, I would use books. Now I would recommend getting one of those like little non-skid pieces of like fabric. Like usually you see them, like they line like kitchen drawers for things not to slide back and forth. Because if you have a slippery floor, or even if you were to like stack two smaller textbooks on top of each other, they're going to slide and you're potentially going to injure yourself. So definitely do that pro tip there. And then, you know, find a surface to elevate your feet two to three inches, and then bring the dumbbells or the kettlebells down to the floor, touch the floor and come back up. 
you know, this will still promote lowering the hips more, getting them closer to the ground and increasing knee flexion. So that's an example of increasing range of motion. Next one is increasing muscular isolation. So a lot of times this is used with like machine-based movements because they are good for isolating certain muscle groups. So this could be something like a seated machine chest press, a seated leg extension machine, standing cable, you know, rear delt fly. Those are all examples of things that are going to really drive isolation of the muscle groups being worked because the resistance is fixed. Now, to a certain extent, I would say the cable rear delt fly, not so much, but it would be slightly more advantageous than like a band. But I'm going to teach you how to do it with a band so that you can try to promote as much isolation as you can. You know, so this could be things like, so this is ideas for you to how to modify this. So we could set things up like a seated incline prep incline press on a bench. So this is going to be where you seat, you seat, (laughs) you set the seat up at about a, you know, I would say like maybe like a 105, maybe 110 degree angle. It's certainly not completely upright. You do want to have a little bit of a posterior lean and you're going to be pressing overhead. So it's a very similar pattern. We're still working the anterior deltoid, which is the front part of the shoulder and triceps. You know, in the case of a seated leg extension machine, you could do a seated banded leg extension. Again, still seated, still extending at the knee. You're working the quads, otherwise known as quads are the rectus femoris, vastus lateralis, vastus medialis, and vastus intermedius. So if you ever hear that and you're like, what are those muscles anyway? So those are the four muscles of the quads. Okay, so for the standing cable rear delt fly, you could do something like, a banded rear delt fly. If you don't have two bands of the same resistance, you could make it a unilateral movement. You would just need to take a little bit more time to do that because obviously you're going to have to work each side separately, but it would still be working the rear delts on the back side of the shoulder and you would still be horizontally abducting the shoulder, which is going to promote that rear delt engagement. So another example here is increasing volume. You know, this one is fairly straightforward, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. And the reason why I wanted to just spend a minute here highlighting this is because it probably is the easiest to progress, because even if you have light weights, you can just add volume, meaning like you can just add more sets or reps. But volume volume is what is going to cause the most amount of fatigue. So there is a fine line to walk here. You know, for example, if you're used to doing like three by five, 200 pound squats, and all you have at home is a pair of 20 pound dumbbells, you know, increasing the volume here probably isn't the best route to go. And the reason for this is because if we calculate that total volume load, which is three by five times 200 pounds, that equals about 3000 pounds total lifted. And if you have a total of 40 pounds, so two 20 pound dumbbells, if we take that 3000 pounds divided by three sets, that's 1000 pounds. If we divide that by what you have, which would be 40 pounds, that would be like three sets of 25 reps at 40 pounds. And it's going to take you a while. It's going to take you a while to do that you know, occasionally it would be fine. Once a week, 
once in a while, that kind of a thing. But if you needed to do that week to week, you definitely want to change up your training strategy because adding on that amount of sets and reps, it's going to probably take you two to three minutes to complete that movement. And at that point, the movement becomes more aerobic, meaning it becomes cardio-like. It's less anaerobic, it's less strength, less hypertrophy, and less power-based. So you're definitely going to want to change that up if that is something that you find yourself in, volume is definitely going to be one where too much is going to potentially cause too much fatigue and add too much aerobic stimulus. All right. So the next one and the last one here is increasing load. This one can honestly be really challenging, especially if you don't have a bunch of weights. You know, one example I can give you is a bench press. You know, if you're used to benching, you know, say 80, 90, 100 pounds, then it might be difficult for you to reproduce this if you don't have a bench, a bar, or plates at home. And, you know, maybe you have a bench, but you don't necessarily have much for load, you know, many plates. You know, I personally ran into this for a while and I had to get very creative, you know? So again, we need to look at the muscle actions of the best bench press and the isolation that's occurring. So in this case, it's a horizontal pressing movement and our body is lying flat. So at the beginning of the episode, I talked about like, are you standing? Are you seated? Are you lying? That kind of a thing. So in this case, you are horizontal to the ground and you're pressing the resistance away, away from your body. So for example, your chest is working here, which is going to be your pecs which is divided into two different parts, the sternocostal, excuse me, the sternocostal portion, which is the area that is close to your sternum, which is your breastbone and your ribs. And then there's the clavicular portion, which is a much smaller portion of the pecs. And that one originates near the clavicle, which is like your collarbone area. And then we're also working the anterior delt, which is the front portion of your shoulder, along with the triceps on the backside of the upper arm. You know, that area, if you know it, it's, if you're not sure exactly where the triceps are located, if you lift up your arms and you shake them back and forth and it jiggles, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Even if you have muscle, they still jiggle, I'm telling you. Um, so we need to find a way to add consistent load to these muscles with limited equipment. You know, some ideas might be if you have dumbbells, you could definitely just do a lying bench press. If you don't have much for load, you could take the feet out of the movement and make it more of an isolation-based movement. So you could do like a feet up dumbbell bench press. You know, if you don't have a bench, you could also do it lying on the floor. If you don't have dumbbells or they're too light, you could eat or they're too heavy. I've ran into that before too. It's like, well, these are too easy but these are too heavy, you could do a push-up and load it on your back with a plate or even just start with body weight, you know, based upon where your current bench press is at. All of these examples that I have given you, all of these examples, some of them can be applied to like more long-term training. And I would say more of them, more of them are probably more helpful for more short-term changes. You know, you might be thinking like, wow, this is a lot of information. I'm not sure if I'm doing all of these or if I know how to do all of these. Remember, we don't want to progress everything at the same time. That's going to cause you too much fatigue and your readiness day to day will go down. So choose just one thing. Choose one thing to work on, improving for a few weeks, see how it goes, 
you know, see how you feel and go from there. And then last but not least, please, for the love of God, track your training. If you're not tracking your training, it's going to be very difficult to identify, you know, where you've actually made gains and how, how you're making gains. You know, do you have form improvements? Do you feel better physically? Are you making strength gains? Are you building muscle, et cetera? You know, hopefully you're already following a structured training program that's built on logic. If you aren't, I already talked about this at the beginning of the episode. This is why I launched Fit Healthy Strong, a structured training program with these different options and with access to a community along with me to help you figure this out. Because trust me, I mean, it's taken me probably close to five plus years to truly figure out like what is optimal based upon your goal. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. Again, this program, it's not automated at this time. Drop me a DM on Instagram or on Facebook if this is something that you would like to get more information about. So in summary, guys, we talked about two primary factors for hypertrophy. Number one, metabolic stress. And number two, metabolic tension. And we talked about six different ways that you can progressively overload and still make training gains with limited equipment. Number one, increasing the time under tension. Number two, increasing distance traveled. Number three, increasing the range of motion. Number four, increasing muscular isolation. Number five, increasing the volume. And number six, increasing the intensity or the load. So last but not least, as always, guys, I hope that this information helps you to be able to get a little farther ahead. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Danny Abel podcast. If you're enjoying the show and you haven't already, consider subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. If you love the episode, screenshot it, share it to your story, and tag me. And lastly, if you have any questions, send me a DM and I'll see if I can help. Thanks again for listening. Take care.